morning. My name is Art Alice Green. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. What you do with your life matters to God. What you do with the 8, 10, 12 hours of work every day matters to our God. And God matters to your work. You know, Frank had to do something. He took a bold step and he went down to the rescue mission. And there he met real people with real problems and made some real connections, provided some real help. And his heart is undergoing change. There's nothing like being on site, right? Getting out of our comfortable settings and stepping into someone's life. He learned a valuable lesson that when we serve ourselves, we use a spoon. But when we serve others, we serve with a ladle. We have to ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? What is my assignment? What's next for me? If I'm a student, people tell me what I should do. But God, what do you want me to do? If I'm in my 20s, you know, starting out on my career, maybe just trying to get into my career, I have passions, I have dreams, talents, and gifts. God, what do you want me to do? In my 30s and my 40s, perhaps I'm starting a family into my career. Just talking to a 30-something guy recently said, I'm not sure I can keep this pace up the rest of my life. Maybe you feel like that. Or in your 50s or your 60s, and you're asking the question, what's next? What's my assignment? I want you to love what you do, and I want you to love the people you do it with, and I want you to love the people you serve. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 and following, Jesus told an amazing parable that addresses this issue. This is what it says. Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man who went away on a journey. Before he left, he called his servants to himself and he entrusted his possessions to them. To the first servant, he gave five talents. To the second servant, two. And to the third, one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went away. While he was gone, the first servant took the five talents and put them to work immediately and gained five more talents. The second servant also took his two talents and doubled them, increased the master's possessions. But the third servant, given the one talent, he went outside and he dug a hole and he buried the talent. The master came back from his journey and had a conversation with his servants. The one who gained the five he said, well done. I like to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little bit. I'm going to trust you very much more. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. The one who was given the two talents also doubled the master's possessions. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. What you've been faithful with a little bit, I'll entrust to you more. Let's have a celebration. But to the one servant who went outside and dug it out of fear, he said, why didn't you entrust that to the bankers? Then he took that talent from that one servant and gave it to the one with ten. The parable of the talents. What is Jesus trying to say? In the story, there's a very wealthy man, a very generous man, and he calls his servants to himself. This is who we are, his servants. This conversation is between the man and his servants. He said, I'm going away very soon. I'm traveling to a faraway country. 
You servants won't see me anytime soon. I'm going to my father's house. But before I go, I want to leave you something. I believe in you. I'm going to entrust to you my property. Now, I'm still the owner of the property, but I want you to steward my property. I want you to take these gifts of mine, buy and sell, invest and trade. I want you to use what I give to you to make the greatest return on investment. And then the rich man entrusted to the servants his possessions. He's saying, it's yours. You have freedom. Now go do something good with what I've given to you. Now with a twinkle in his eye, the man distributed the talents. Now he gave to the first servant five talents. You say, Pastor Art, what is a talent? A talent was a weight. A day's wage was a denarius. A man could make 300 denarii in a year. So a talent was about 6,000 denarii, or 20 years' wage. So if a man in our culture made $50,000 a year, and the 50,000 times 20 would be about a million dollars, five talents would be $5 million. Then Then and now, five talents was a huge entrustment. And he gave to the second servant two talents. He gave to the third servant one talent. He gave to each of them according to their ability, and then he went off on his journey. Now, not everybody has the same talent or same ability. You ever watch the show The Voice or American Idol? You're convinced of the fact that not everybody has the same talent. People are born with natural talent. We say she's a natural gymnast or he's a natural basketball player, or she has a mathematical mind, or he could do stand-up comedy. People are born with natural talent. She is a born teacher, or he is a born leader. Natural talent is God-given. But here's what happens. When a person believes the gospel, they put their faith in Jesus, they make a profession of faith, Their heart turns toward Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside. And the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to each one of us. It says each one of us has received grace, gifts, according to the generosity of Christ. Some here in this room are multi-talented. You have been given more than one talent, more than one ability. And some are less talented. Since God is the giver of the gifts, what matters to him is not how many gifts you've been given. What matters to God is what are you doing with your gift? What are you doing with the talent you've received? If your gift is serving, are you putting that gift to work serving people? Are you creating a better world Are you looking for opportunities? Are you carving out time to serve? If your gift is teaching, you just love imparting to people, are you spending any time studying, preparing? If your gift is leading, are you putting that gift to work leading people? Are you spending time with the people you lead? Are you sharing vision? 
Martin Luther, who was instrumental in the um, Reformation, he wrote that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, our Father in heaven hears that prayer and supplies what we need. He said that the farmer grows his crops to the glory of God. He said the milkmaid milks her cows to the glory of God. And I like that part because of Frederick and our milk. You know, we first came here, there was four cows for every person. He says when the milk is transported, the transporter transfers those, transports those goods to the glory of God. When the grocer sells his goods, he sells to the glory of God. That God, as it were, has put on a mask and disguised himself into a milkmaid. That she is milking her cows, that God is wearing this mask, wearing this disguise, showing how much he loves us by the milk he's providing for us through the milkmaid. That God is showing us how much he loves us. That when we go to get our coffee and the barista is making our favorite cup of coffee, that God is showing the enormity of his love to us by giving us something that we really enjoy. That when we go to the doctor and we get our vaccine, right, preventing disease, God is showing the magnitude of his love through us by giving us in his common grace a vaccine. When the fireman puts out the fire protecting our homes, God is showing us the enormity of his love. You see, our work really does matter to God. He's put it in the heart of a teacher to impart lessons to us. He's put it in the heart of a surgeon to alleviate suffering. You see, your gift is your inner motivation. If you have a gift, you have a desire to do something. And when you exercise that gift, God is glorified and the condition of humanity is improved. And when you use your gift, you'll have joy and be able to bless somebody. So in the story, the man who received the five talents went at once immediately, not letting the grass grow under his feet, and he put his money to work. He knew he wasn't the owner. He knew he had the opportunity of a lifetime. He knew he was a steward. He didn't spend his money foolishly. He didn't squander it. He invested his money wisely. He put his money to work, and he gained five more. Now, we as investors are always looking for the greatest return on our investment, right? We're always looking to be gaining ground and not losing ground. So if you made an investment and there was 100% growth, you'd say, I made a good investment. But perhaps you didn't know this. God is the owner. God is the source. He has given to each one of us gifts and talents. What we have is not our own. We get to manage what God has entrusted to us. We get to use what is His. So a good question is, how do I put God's money to work? How do I put God's talents, abilities to work? Some of you here are tithers, and that's a beautiful thing. A tithe is the first tenth. You learn somewhere along the line to give your first 
and your best to the Lord. The scripture says, bring the whole tithe into God's storehouse, that there may be provision in his house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon your life that you can't contain it. Sometimes I think it's like God opens the windows of heaven and pours out a shower upon our lives. We're just showered with his goodness. Most times it seems to me more like a steady rain of God's favor and God's provision. But I want to challenge you that have learned to tithe, that just like Frank, who was himself an autopilot, I challenge you to increase your giving according to your faith. Now, some of you can, and some of you can't. You see, the 10% that Frank was giving didn't cost him anything. But the real joy for Frank would be moving from mechanical giving, obligatory giving, to sacrificial giving. You see, if we don't have a plan in regards to our giving, we will overspend, we will undersave, and we'll say, I have nothing left to give God. I'll just be giving God the leftovers. Now, some of you here haven't started giving. There's a really exciting phase of your life that's right ahead. You're at ground zero. You wanted to, but just haven't yet. I want you to know that I know that some of you are very challenged on the income side of the equation, and that some of you are very challenged on the expenses side. But you will never give as long as your plan is to give God the leftovers. Some people say, I'll give when I get myself out of debt. I'll give when I get my kids through college. I'll give when I save up for retirement. I want you to make God first, not fourth or fifth or sixth on the list. I want you to make God your center, the most important, the first gift you make. Before you pay your other bills, I want you to bring to God the first fruits to decide a percentage that you will give to the Lord. The best strategy I know for you getting out of debt because the borrower is always slave to the lender, is to follow God's counsel regarding finances. Listen to what God is saying and step into obedience. When you give nothing, you are missing out on God's economy. So what if you took a step of faith? What if you believe that God is the giver, the owner, that what you have, you have received from the Lord? that you are simply a steward of God's blessings and to step into that opportunity to invest it well, to invest it for the kingdom. If I were you, I would pray hard about what you're currently doing and ask the Lord, what is my next step of faith? And I would begin to give to the local church. Do you know that in this most recent snowstorm, families volunteered in this church to drive people in their four-wheel drives to their medical appointments? Do you know that people opened up their homes to provide shelter to those whose electricity would go out, providing food and clothing to them? Do you know that people shoveled out my driveway? That when my wife Debbie was by herself, they came over and helped out? You see, this church is not flawless. 
because you have a very flawed pastor. But we are here to love each other and live like Jesus. And I'm very encouraged by the church in terms of laying the foundation in our children's life, mentoring our students, helping each other to grow in community. So the one who had the two talents gained for the master two more. He took what the master gave him and he invested it well. You could say that he was diligent and hardworking. He maximized his talent, sort of like a 200-pound running back in the NFL playing in the Super Bowl, right? He got the most out of what he had, or like a six-foot NBA guard, right? Or a 150-pound PGA player. That this guy had two talents, but he made the most of his two talents. But the man who received the one talent, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. I call this the tragedy of the wasted opportunity. Though he wasn't given five talents or two talents, he was given one talent. And just want to say that so many here have been given amazing talents. You just saw some amazing musical talents. Some of you here have artistic talent. Some of you have organizational talent to take chaos and bring order. Some of you here have creative abilities. But what happens is that we have gone off with that talent and found a hidden place and buried the treasure, believing that what we have is unimportant, that what we have doesn't matter. And we've dug in a hole in the ground and hid our master's money. After a long time, the master did come back. We're talking about the second coming. And this is the question he asked his servants, and this is the question he will ask you. You ready? What have you done with what I gave you? The man with the five brought forth another five and said, I made a 100% gain. You entrusted me with five. I gained for you five more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that someday? Well done, good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you. You increased it for my kingdom's sake. Enter into the celebration. You did something good with your money. You unleashed generosity. You took care of your family. You didn't neglect the widow. You made provision for the orphan. You funded your local church. You've been faithful with a few things. You see, <laughs> what God says is, you've been faithful with a few things. Do you realize that five talents was about $5 million? But to God, it seemed like a few things. I'll entrust you now with true spiritual riches. I'll put you in charge of many things. So let me try to say to you the gospel. Every person here is on a spiritual journey. It may have been hidden from your eyes that who you are and what you have received matters to God. You were given natural talents at your birth. 
but you also were given spiritual gifts at your second birth. And to some degree, these talents and gifts have been used. But to be honest, we've all buried our talent, haven't we? We've all hidden our talents. Frank didn't know that he could be useful to the kingdom by volunteering in his community at the soup kitchen. Do you know that you can be very useful to the kingdom? Because you've been so blessed, you can be a blessing to somebody. You can help a family by restoring their home. You can send home food and book bags to some kid who won't otherwise eat on a weekend. Jesus came to earth. He called to himself his servants. He entrusted to them his talents. He expected that those talents would be used. But knowing his servants would hide their talents and fear losing their talent, this is what Jesus did. He who was very rich, he became very poor to identify with us in our poverty. Him who had all possession, power, and position, humbled himself and came down to earth. And on this earth, he did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. You see, salvation is not by our works. We are saved by the grace of God. That God showed us grace at the cross. That Jesus did a work for us we could not do for ourselves. So this is the work of God that you may believe in him who was sent. No man will be saved by taking his five talents and using them for God. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, who took the judgment and wrath of God upon himself that we might be free. And then he says to us, with these talents I've given to you, will you use them for my kingdom? So what requires of us is four peace. The first shift that happens is a shift of perspective, of how we view money. It is not ours, it is His. We worry about money. Will I have enough to get a place? Will I have enough to get a ring? Will I have enough to send my kids to college? And when we worry about money, what happens is we begin to spend money. We begin spending money on stuff, and we go into debt. And then we have debt, and we have no margin. We become known as consumers. We view ourselves as consumers and not as contributors. And the major shift happens when I realize that what God has given to me is not all about me and consumption, that God wants to use part of what he gives me to be a contributor to his kingdom. It is a shift in perspective. The second P that happens is that of priority. We shift from ourselves being our first priority to God being our first priority. I want you to make serving God your first priority. I want you to give God your first and your best. I don't want you giving God your leftovers. You see, God made you his first priority. Jesus surrendered everything for you. He laid down his life. He relinquished all of his possessions, coming to earth into poverty to make 
us rich. You have been blessed beyond measure. You are wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. You have been adopted into God's family. You are a son or a daughter of God with full access to God. You get to sit at God's table. So once we make the shift in perspective, and then we begin to make God our first priority, we decide what percentage, Lord, am I to give to you? You know, God gives to us every day a gift of 1,440 minutes. In a week, God gives us 10,880 minutes. What part of that are you giving back to God? You say, Pastor, I could give God more of my time and my talent and my treasure. I could make God my highest priority. And the last shift is that of progression. Believing God is first. Giving to God a percentage of what he gives to me 